Life Radio's Living Witnesses. This is the show about the stories. Everybody has a story, and every story is worth telling. Believe it or not, your story can impact somebody else's faith walk. I'd love to hear from you. Email mary at cultureoflifemedia.com. That's mary at cultureoflifemedia.com to be a guest on the Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses show. We are taking a little bit of a break from our regular programming, 33 days to be exact, with our 33-day consecration. We have Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster joining us today. Julie, can you please tell us a little bit about the 33 Days to Morning Glory Do-It-Yourself Retreat? We are reading the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration by Father Michael Gately, who's one of the Marians of the Immaculate Conception up at the Divine Mercy Shrine in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Father Gately's written this wonderful book for busy people like us, and we are gathered here today to read through just two pages a day in the book and learn more about four great saints who were devoted to Mary and how their devotion can help us in our life to become consecrated to Jesus through Mary. Each day, we will be reading about one of the Marian giants. We have St. Louis de Montfort, St. Maximilian Kolbe, Blessed Mother Teresa, and St. Pope John Paul II. As we read each day and learn about each of these saints and their devotion to Mary, we will be preparing to consecrate ourselves to Jesus through Mary on the Marian Feast Day at the end of the 33 days. We're excited that you're here and joining us, and let's begin. As we move through this 33 days, I would like to encourage you to participate in our conversation. You can do that at 33daystomorningglory.com. Julie's got a great blog site there that you can comment and talk about your own thoughts and, and experiences on your 33 Days to Morning Glory. You can also do it on the podcast site. There's plenty of space to leave comments. Your comments would be appreciated. I'm excited to be at day 10 of 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration by Father Michael Gately. In day 10, we're going to go to part two of Who Are You, O Immaculate Conception? Yesterday, in day nine, we did part one of Who Are You, O Immaculate Conception? And Mary Beth, we're at that point where you're going to get some answers because we dropped off that day with Mary Beth saying, wait a minute, give me an answer. So Father Gately writes in, in the book under day 10, so the Holy Spirit is the uncreated Immaculate Conception and Mary is the created Immaculate Conception. Why not make it easier and just say the Holy Spirit is the Immaculate Conception and Mary was immaculately conceived? Again, it's all about lords. Blame St. Bernadette. (laughs) In all seriousness, we should both thank St. Bernadette and St. Maximilian Kolbe profusely because their fidelity to grace is now opening up for us a glorious truth that undergirds the whole theology of Marian consecration. This truth has to do with the union between the Holy Spirit and Mary. Colby explains this in a passage that is a little bit long and difficult, but incredibly rich and deserving of our deep reflection. Let me read this section. What type of union is this between the Holy Spirit and Mary? It is above all an interior union, a union of her essence with the essence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in her, lives in her. This was true from the first instant of her existence. It was always true, will always be true. In what does this life of the Spirit in Mary consist? He himself is uncreated love in her, the love of the Father and of the Son, the love by which God loves himself, the very love of the Most Holy Trinity. 
He is a fruitful love, a conception among creatures made in God's image. The union brought about by married love is the most intimate of all. It says so in Matthew 19, 6. In a much more precise, more interior, more essential manner, the Holy Spirit lives in the soul of the Immaculata, in the depths of her very being. He makes her fruitful from the very first instant of her existence, all during her life, and for all of eternity. This eternal, immaculate conception, which is the Holy Spirit, produces an immaculate manner, divine life itself in the womb or the depths of Mary's soul, making her the immaculate conception. The human immaculate conception. And the virginal womb of Mary's body is kept sacred for him. There he conceives in time, because everything that is material occurs in time. The human life of the man God. Now let's think about this. If among human beings, the wife takes the name of her husband because she belongs to him, is one with him, becomes equal to him, and is with him the source of new life, with how much greater reason should the name of the Holy Spirit, who is the divine immaculate conception, be used as the name of her in whom he lives as uncreated love? the principle of life in the whole supernatural order of grace. Mary, I'm glad this is going to be on a podcast because I am going to hit <laughs> rewind and, and listen to that a couple of different times here just to really let that soak in. And I think we need to give a word of encouragement here because I can tell you the very first time I ever consecrated, uh, even though it was December 8th, so it was you know in the middle of really rich readings at church, Every year, I have to go back and understand what the Immaculate Conception and what this truly means, the depth of what is writing here. So don't be put off if this is all new and you're thinking, wow, that's a lot there. Hit the re- get the podcast, hit the rewind, and, and listen to it and, and pray through it as well. And in light of this remarkable passage, Father Gately wants to make three points to us. First, to ponder it again deeply and prayerfully. So point one, ponder it deeply and prayerfully. As you do, keep in mind that these are the parting words of one of the greatest Marian saints of all time, answering the very question to which he dedicated his life and energies. Second point, if it seems that Colby has gone a bit overboard with this talk of Mary and her union with the Holy Spirit, don't worry about it. The great Pope, Pope Paul VI, went out of his way to reassure the faithful that Colby's teaching is sound. Point number three, if you only get one point from this challenging passage, let's hope it's this. Mary is the spouse of the Holy Spirit. In fact, her union with the Holy Spirit is even deeper than what we understand by a spousal relationship. We'll pick that up tomorrow. I think it really helped for me, and I know I've I've been through this retreat once already, and I, I didn't get it. I really didn't get it. That as when we take on our spouses, we take on their names. It, it just seems so simple to me this time. The first time I remember really, really wrestling with it. Going through the retreat the second time, it, it's much clearer. And in the Bible, what does the name mean? The name just doesn't mean... Isaac or Jacob or Abraham, the name gives the essence of who a person is. Oftentimes in the Bible, there will be a name change. I'm thinking of Simon to Peter, Abram to Abraham, uh, 
Jacob to Israel. All of those name changes then signified a change in their mission. Similarly, in our culture, in Western culture, a woman takes the name of her husband. That signifies that she has taken on him, his entire person. And in a marriage, we see that happening very clearly. The husband gives all he has to his wife. The wife gives all of it back to her husband. And it is a new time in life. It's a new vocation, and therefore the name change is really appropriate to happen in that way. And in our earthly marriage, the scripture, the two become one flesh, that's something, that doesn't mean, you know, we lose our identity. As both of us uh, are coming in the image and likeness of God with two very vastly different characteristics, male and female, Venus and Mars. (laughs) (laughs) It also really sheds light onto the beauty of the sacrament of marriage. Hearing this reading and even hearing what you two have shared, I'm kind of sitting here going, oh, it makes more sense now. It's, it, it's a reflection of what our marriages are supposed to be. Well, and I've got a great friend that I've had to share this quote from my friend Sandy, because it, we do need the graces in the sacrament of the sacrament of marriage because we've all married someone very different from ourselves, no matter how much you and your spouse might Mm -hmm. be alike. And very oftentimes we see marriages of total opposites. My friend Sandy's often said, Julie, we all married the wrong person. (laughs) And, And what she means by that is that we're all sinners married to sinners. And therefore we're going to have these difficulties and these challenges. And it's only through that grace of God that, our marriages, the sacrament of marriage, can be the conduit where each of us gets our spouse to heaven. Joy, the late, great St. John Paul II left us such a masterpiece and wealth of information with the theology of the body, and I wish I had that or knew of it when I was getting married. I think if anyone really wants to go a lot deeper with this, to look, to look up any of the theology of the body resources. Uh, the words of our Holy Father himself are rather deep, but we've got some great people in the church who have kind of distilled it, make it made it a little more easy to understand. And also on marriage, uh, the Augustine Institute has given us a tremendous gift with Beloved for marriage prep and re- marriage enrichment, and that's another resource that you can go to separately if you want to really go deeper in marriage and understanding God's plan for marriage. And I can't wait till week four. Because we do John Paul II. And we'll talk a lot more about him then. It's going to be so we'll conclude today with our prayer that we'll ponder throughout the day. Come Holy Spirit, living in Mary, unveil for me the meaning of the Immaculate Conception. Amen. That is all yet to come. But yet to come today, we're going to go over our discussion questions, our pondering questions as we prepare for Marian consecration on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
listening to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses, and we are starting Day 10 Questions. If you'd like to get a copy of the resources that we are using, you can go to 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. These questions are coming from the Retreat Companion. Part of the retreat, we are called to ponder these questions throughout the day. The first question for today, we prayed for the unveiling of the meaning of the Immaculate Conception yesterday. Why do we need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand the meaning of Mary's Immaculate Conception? Besides her being conceived sinless within St. Anne, what might it mean? Remember to pray to the Holy Spirit as you meditate on this one. When I first started to answer this question, I I honestly think the Holy Spirit's kind of the forgotten one of the trio, so I had to go (laughs) Google some Holy Spirit prayers, because I don't really have a, I mean, I know one, and the Come Holy Spirit prayer, and I've really tried to write that in different places, because I'm really trying to call it to memory this year, that's like my, one of my goals. And it's such an easy one, isn't it? It is, but I, you know, when you're 50, it's not so easy to memorize. My my 10 year old son gets it like that, but it's uh, Julie inspires me to memorize things. So I've really tried, but that's kind of it. Really prompted me to go look up some prayers um, because I don't typically do prayers that are already written out. I tend to just have more dialogue with God, but I want to do more. I mean, I know the basic ones, but this question. And let's just say what that prayer is that you're talking about, Mary Beth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle within us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Amen. I I love that you say that you've got more conversational prayer life. My prayer life, definitely, I love the rote prayers, Mm -hmm. the memorized prayers. I feel a certain safety in those Sometimes I don't feel like my words might be adequate to talk to God, but, you know, we can go to the Our Father, the Hail Mary, and the Come Holy Spirit prayers that we learned as children and really uh, ponder those and pray those together. But looking up new prayers is, is always a great idea. And in, in this question, when we're asking very, very specifically the Holy Spirit to come to our aid and help us understand the meaning of Mary's Immaculate Conception, For me, again, I like to go back to what actually is the Immaculate Conception, and let's be clear, it is the point that Mary was conceived without sin uh, in the womb of her mother, St. Anne, and the reason that Mary was immaculately conceived was that she would then be the mother of our Savior, and so she was a pure vessel for God himself to become man. It's very deep, but I like thinking about these things and turning them over in my mind and trying to understand them better. And how often I try to, like, bulldoze through things, and, and not this question makes me stop and say, <laughs> well, it's like the one thing they're looking at is why do we need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand the meaning of Mary's Immaculate Conception? It's like Father Gately saying, hello, you need to understand this central point to go further. And it's like you're trying to teach somebody a golf swing if you don't have the grip right and you don't comprehend that or a tennis swing. You're, you're not going to be able to get that, that future goal. And I think it's so critical that we call on the Holy Spirit by taking the time. It doesn't have to be that we, you know, if we don't get to the other questions, we don't get 
get to it that day. I find that if I just kind of get stuck on one, I, that may be the one that I need to just, the Holy Spirit saying to mm-hmm. me, stop. The retreat was designed to have that pondering aspect to it as well. So we're reading a very short amount of reading in the paperback book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. We're saying the prayer, we're pondering the prayer throughout the day, and then these reflection questions, when we meet together and go over those, are to give us the opportunity to dwell upon, really, let's be honest, these are deep theological things that we're getting into. Let's go on to question number two. Within the Trinity, God is love, and God loves himself. How can we imitate this, and why would we even want to? I want to start with the whole part about God is love and God loves himself, and how do we imitate this? How many of us just don't honestly love ourselves? Mm -hmm. We see all the bad things in our life, the sins we've committed, the sins of omission and commission, if that wasn't enough, uh, the, the ways we've let people down, the ways we haven't lived out our own best version of ourselves, as, as Matthew Kelly likes to say. And I think for those of us that struggle with loving ourselves, it can really be hard to have that concept of God is love and loves himself. But I find a great amount of hope in that, because as we ponder God's eternal love and the three persons of the Trinity, we know we need to imitate that, because men and women were created to enter into that love and be part of it. And so that's why we should Mm -hmm. want to. Uh, How do we do do that better, though? How do we get over the sins of our past and, and move forward? I find that that's always such a big stumbling block. It has been in my life, and and I see it in so many people that we think we're unworthy. Well, our church, if if everybody was worthy, our churches would be empty. I mean, it's just important to know that, you know, we don't look at our children like this. When they make a mistake, you know, we might get angry at the time, or we, but ultimately we're trying to teach them and, and raise them so that they're, you know, good citizens and good Christians. But we, we get up the next day and we start and, and we, we, we're forgiving. And that's what our Father in Heaven looks down to us. He never wants us to look at that we aren't worthy. One of the quotes from the Diary of St. Faustina that I have just really clung to since I became aware of it two years ago uh, was this quote that says, The greater the sinner, the more right he has to my mercy, God's mercy. And... Those are the words of Jesus uh, to St. Faustina in her diary, and I love that because we can all look at our lives and truly say, I am the greatest sinner on earth. And yet, guess what? (laughs) That's where God meets us. He meets us in our great sin, in our depravity. And for those of us who have been baptized, all of the original sin has been erased. And as we live our life going forward, the grace of the sacrament of confession to me is just really the place to be. I, I joke my friends, get in the box. You know, it's time to get in the box. Experience that love and mercy of Christ through the words of the priest. As we move into the day pondering this question, there's a couple of nuances. I think that's what I want to call them that we need to keep in mind. This lack of self-love, we might, we might, it might manifest itself as insecurities, feeling the unworthy, the inabilities. But we also need to be cautious not to take this to the other extreme and become prideful 
loving yourself doesn't mean doesn't become pride. You don't want you don't want to fall into that sin within itself. I'm not sure where to go with that. I just kind of felt that was something that needed to be mentioned. Well, some along those lines, Mary. I think you're bringing up a good point. Some Christian tr- traditions have kind of a once saved, mm-hmm. always saved type of thinking, meaning that if they have become baptized or accepted Christ, that they're good. They're good till the end of time. And and that's not biblical. <laughs> what we it's not biblical, and it's not what we believe mm-hmm. as Catholics. We always, as long as we are alive, we need to be having a conversion of heart. God is not done with us until the day we die. So no matter how old we are, if we haven't quite learned this lesson yet or explored it fully, today's the day. Let's turn again and and look what love the Father has for us. And so he calls us children of God, and we are. That's scripture. That's uh, 1 John 3, uh, that we we can count on that. We are his children. He does not abandon us. And even though our sins may be red as scarlet, we go forward and, and he makes them white as snow. And how are our days of married life such a great, you know, training ground? Because I've used this, where you point your finger and you've got three pointing back at you. I use this with my kids all the time. And, and they'll go, three are pointing back at you. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. You've got one pointing at the person, but three pointing back. And it, it's helped me to, you know, when I want to be right. And, it, you know, in marriage, it's all about being right. <laughs> Wrong. It's never about being right. It's just, you know, some of the times I, I've just run to the daily mass after I've had a conflict with my husband, just because it doesn't matter who's mm-hmm. right or wrong. I'm the one that needs to change. Ladies, we are coming up here on break time. You are listening to Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. We are studying 33 Days to Morning Glory. If you do not have your copy of the materials yet, visit 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We are using Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat, and the retreat companion that was written by Carol R. Younger. Now, we are technically reading everything that's contained within these two books, but I highly encourage you to get your own copy so you can look back and reflect it. If you hear something you're thinking, Hmm, does it really say that? You can double check. Something else, too, that I'd like to point out is we are in the second week of the retreat. And it's very common. It's our human nature, especially here in the United States. There are so many things distracting us to not follow through on our commitment. So if you're still here, kudos. We're so glad you're here. If you have friends that you know started the retreat, you could send them a gentle reminder by asking them questions about the retreat so far. If they find they've had a hard time squeezing the retreat into their busy days, make sure they know about this podcast. That's our goal is to make it so feasible for everybody to get this information and to understand the theology here and to make that commitment of consecrating your life to Jesus Christ. Perhaps they have questions about something that's gone on, or maybe you do yourself. Feel free to leave a question on either the blog site, 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com or at the podcast site. You'll see the comment section underneath. That does wrap up our first two questions for the day. Questions three and four are coming up on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.
back to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. We are on day number 10 of our preparation for Marian consecration. Question number three reads, everything that is material occurs in time. Consider that though we are material, we are also spiritual and our ultimate end is union with God. How do we prepare for that eternal union with God in heaven? Mary was one created human being who lived that intimate union with God while still on earth. How can she help us deepen our relationship to God through our consecration? This question jumps out at me, Mary. How do we prepare for that eternal union with God in heaven? The first thing that came to my mind was we prepare every day, and we prepare by feeding our bodies and our souls with regular prayer time, with Mass, if we can get it during the week, definitely on Sunday, with the corporal and spiritual works of mercy that we do to help out our brothers and sisters, uh, the human family, and all of those things that we do that are going to take us closer to God. Mary is the perfect disciple. I, I think of that gospel story where Jesus is teaching and the house is full and somebody says, hey, your mother and, and your family's here to see you. And and he, it almost sounds like a rebuke, but he says, who is my mother? The one who does the will of God. And I'm paraphrasing right. badly, probably, that Bible story. But the point is that Mary was his mother, of course, but even more importantly, she was the one that most perfectly did the will of God. And that's what our Lord is pointing out, why she is such a great example to us. When I read this question, it always makes me think of the material being the physical, the physical and the spiritual, how much they parallel in our life. And I often use that example to help me understand spiritual things that don't make sense to me when we want to look at, say, just um, prayer, how that habit of training helps you develop the habit of prayer. I have to say, as I read the question, I got a very vivid image in my mind of a bride preparing for her wedding day. And those final moments as you're in the room with your bridesmaids and your matron of honor and you're putting on those finishing touches and how you want to be perfect when you're presented at the altar to your spouse. And I'm just thinking, wow, that's how we should be preparing every single day as we prepare our hearts and our souls to be presented to our heavenly spouse. I I saw a very strong connection there. One of the images that you're just saying about that of the bride, one of the aspects of that is that the bride is not preparing alone. Mm, You you mentioned she's with Mm -hmm. her bridesmaids. Maybe her mother is there or Mm -hmm. other family members are helping her. And isn't that a great way to think of the body of Christ where we aren't just trying to do it on our, in our own strength. First of all, we have the grace of God, but we have the example of Mary and the saints and all those living there around us to help us prepare, to encourage us in the journey. And I think that's a really good point we need to make now that we're on day 10 is we're here to encourage you to keep up on this journey. If some of these questions or readings that we're doing seem a little deep or a little, unfamiliar to you, life gets busy, you might be feeling like, oh, I can't keep going. But we're here to say, keep going. Let's move on and keep going to question number four. Mary and the Holy Spirit are united in a very special relationship. She is his spouse. 
Today's meditation suggests that this relationship may even be deeper than human spousal relationships. How might Mary intercede with the Holy Spirit about issues of modern marriage and the family? Think about divorce, domestic violence, abortion, non-marital unions, single parenthood. What might you ask of her regarding these modern spiritual problems? Consider instances of them in your own family and among your circle of friends. Bring them all all the people in every situation to marry. The one thing that she does want is that, first of all, she understands wherever we are at, whatever problem we are facing. Of course, you know, multiple, these problems that are listed in this question, these are very real sufferings. And the one thing that she wants to communicate to us is that she's there to help us. We're not alone. And through others, she will put others in our path. I read those different problems that we have in today's world, and the first thought I would want to share with everyone is if you are divorced, if you've been involved or the victim of domestic violence, if you've had an abortion or participated in helping someone too, if you're not in a marital union or if you are a single parent, Mary is there for you, and it is not a look of condemnation or, you know, what happened in in your life or your situation. She's there interceding for you right now in a non-condemning, in a loving glance and embrace, wrapping her mantle around you. And so when we talk about those problems, for any of us who have been involved in any of those, we don't say that as if that event defines you. What defines us, each of us, is how do we move forward from those sins and issues in our past and and go forward closer to that union with God, uh, with Mary as our guide and our advocate. Well, she's almost like the front door of our church because our church, through all of these things that were just stated, has so many services that can be given to, you know, everyone, whether it is domestic violence or, of course, abortion. I mean, that's not just uh, the, the child that's lost. The victim is the mother and the father. Pope Francis has really done a great job drawing all of our attention to these acts of mercy and helping all of these people in need uh, in all these different instances and more. And and no other institution for 2,000 years has helped the needy and the poor with the corporal works of mercy than the Catholic Church. And it's really uh, in this day and time where things are, in many opinions, worse than they ever have been, uh, it's our our call. And we have just a great hope for, for our situation right now. Part of the question, Mary, is though, consider the instances among our own family and friends. And I think this really calls me to prayer. It says, bring all of these people and situations to Mary. How, how, how can we think of that? How can we reflect on, on those personal people that we know and, and bring them to Mary? Well, the good thing is, is that we don't have to understand it all. Or at all. (laughs) At all. Recently, I mean, I tend to have a lot of miraculous medals in my house, and I'll just give them out when someone uh, may not understand something or is trying to grow closer to Mary. This is what I did 12 years ago. I didn't know, but I just put it around my neck. Of course, the rosary, simple things. We don't have to be theologians or biblical scholars. Mary will take over. I think of a mother who is concerned about one of her children, particularly a lot of older parents that we speak with. Their their children have been through so much, and it just breaks a parent's heart. 
But the parent is always the advocate for those children and never gives up on them and always wants to help them, sometimes into the point of suffering themselves and giving sacrificial, sacrificially giving to their children. And, and I just love that image of Mary, of how she would be the most loving and kind of all parents, of all mothers to us, her children. Julie, you mentioned corporal works of mercy. Do you mind just reviewing that for just a second? Sure. Corporal Works of Mercy is just a fancy way to talk about Matthew 25, uh, the gospel. You did it to me. Remember there, our Lord, is uh, the, he separates the sheep and the goats. And, and the first question they say is, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you food or thirsty and give you drink or naked and give you clothing or shelter you or visit you when you were sick or in prison? And those are the corporal works of mercy. Those are what we can do to feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the sick and the uh, imprisoned. And, and those right there are scriptural. Uh, is every diaper considered? <laughs> every diaper. Okay, good. Every good. diaper is a corporal work of mercy. <laughs> Father Gately wrote a great book about the works of mercy. The title of it is You Did It to Me. And in it, he really explores the corporal and spiritual works of mercy in a beautiful way, and I'd highly recommend that book. Father Gately's doing a great job at touching so many hearts where they're at. Where is the place we can find all of his resources, Julie? You can go to 33daystomorninggglory.com, and you will see all the different studies. The, this Marian consecration that we're doing now, 33 Days to Morning Glory, is really only the beginning point for the studies that Father Gately has written. The next study is Consoling the Heart of Jesus, which we look at Divine Mercy and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And then we move on to Wisdom and Works of Mercy, which includes his wonderful book, uh, The One Thing is Three, which really explores the Holy Trinity and makes it so real in our daily life, as well as the book I just mentioned, You Did It to Me, where we can take all that we've learned, the consecration and everything we've done, and put that, it's where the rubber meets the road, and, and get out there and, and help one another in the body of Christ. That does wrap up our four questions for the day. Coming up, we are going to rehash these questions and listen to the prayers that St. Louis de Montfort prayed during his consecration, but we're going to put them into contemporary Christian music for you. Before we do that, though, we are called every single day to pray a weekly prayer. Our weekly prayer today is Subtuum Presidium. Let us pray. We fly to your patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us from all danger. O ever-glorious and blessed Virgin, amen. This is a reminder that Real Life Radio is a listener-supported radio station. If you like the programming that you're hearing here, consider becoming a partner with us. Join our Care to Share program. You can learn more about that at realliferadio.com. That's realliferadio.com. Let's take a moment now and listen to a little bit of Mary and Grace's song, Immaculate Mary. We pray for our mother, the church upon earth, and blessed dearest lady, the land of our
Now is the time in our consecration preparation that we look at the spirituality of St. Louis de Montfort and what were the prayers and readings that he looked at as he prepared his heart to be consecrated to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. St. Louis's reading meditation is once again from Thomas A. Kempis, Book 3, Chapter 10. It's entitled, That It is Sweet to Despise the World and to Serve God. If you would like to read this reading, it is on fisheaters.com. Our first prayer for today is once again, Vene Creator. So we listen to this prayer being sung. Let's ponder our first two discussion questions. Now let us review our discussion questions for today from the 33 Days to Morning Glory Retreat Companion written by Carol R. Younger. You can get your copies of these materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. Question number one on day 10. We prayed for the unveiling of the meaning of the Immaculate Conception yesterday. Why do we need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand the meaning of Mary's Immaculate Conception? Besides her sinless conception, what do you think it might mean? And question number two for pondering. Within the Trinity, God is love and God loves himself. How can we imitate this and why would we want to? Thank you. 
question number three of day 10 of our meditation. Mary was the one created human being who lived that intimate union with God while still on earth. How can she help us to deepen our relationship to God through our consecration? And question number four. How might Mary intercede with the Holy Spirit about issues of modern marriage and the family? Things like divorce, domestic violence, abortion, non-marital unions, single parenthood. What might you ask for her regarding these modern spiritual problems? Consider instances of them in your own family and among your circle of friends. Bring them all to her. Hail, bright star of ocean, God's own mother blessed ever since.
St. Louis focuses on is the Magnificat, which comes directly from the scriptures. Let us pray. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. That is Luke 1, 46 through 55. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Just a reminder that Real Life Radio is a nonprofit organization. We are a listener-supported radio station. We would love to have you be a part of our team. Visit realliferadio.com. That's realliferadio.com. And click on the Care to Share button. Together we are reaching the next generation. We are consecrating our lives to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But typically on the Living Witnesses radio show, we hear stories. We hear people's conversion stories, their walk with the Lord. Whether you're a cradle Catholic, a convert, or what we call a revert, someone who was raised Catholic, maybe wandered either completely or just a, just an emotional wandering from the church. And you had that epiphany that brought you back into full communion with the church. We would love to hear from you. Be one of our stories when we finish this consecration. You can email mary at cultureoflifemedia.com. That's mary at cultureoflifemedia.com. Everybody has a story and every story is worth telling. We would love to hear yours on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses.